So today is Wednesday, the 12th of May, 2021. And today is the first lunar day of the sixth lunar month. And in uh, 14 days, it'll be the 15th lunar day, which we celebrate as Visaka Puja. And Visaka Puja is the day where we commemorate the birth, awakening, and Parinibbana of the Lord Buddha. And we speak of the awakening of the Lord Buddha. And we see that he uh, tortured his body through asceticisms to the highest degree. He did various practices such as ceasing all breathing, fasting to an incredibly severe degree. He became so skinny that his body was just skin and bones. There was almost no flesh left at all. You could even touch his backbone by touching his stomach skin due to being so skinny. And yet, even with all this severe torturing of his body, still the, the Bodhisattva, the Buddha-to-be, did not succeed in realizing awakening through this type of practice. He was seeking enlightenment, seeking awakening through this practice of torturing the body to bring the mind to enlightenment. And the Bodhisattva had the formless jhanas, the arupa jhanas already, these states of deep absorption. And he tortured his body to the point where he passed out unconscious three times, but still did not die. If it was a regular person or any other practitioner, even a practitioner with a jhana samadhi, they would die for sure due to the severity of this torture. They wouldn't be able to sustain their lives. They would have to die. But the Bodhisattva did not die because in that life he must realize full awakening, must realize Buddhahood. So for ourselves, we practice the Dhamma. And sometimes we feel like we're torturing ourselves. Sometimes it feels torturous. And we should understand that this isn't the path of torturing the self. It's not the same as what the Bodhisattva did. And we see that Lumpu Cha taught that the true destroyer is in the heart. The kilesas uh, live in the heart. So if it's uh, pain in the body, it's not the same as... Uh, everyone has to understand that the true destroyer, the true defilements uh, live in the heart, not in the condition of the body. And we should understand that we don't torturing the body to enlightenment. This is not the path. This is not how enlightenment is achieved. So we do it just right, make things just right. And we do practice sometimes these ascetic practices which can be difficult on the body. For instance, at Wat Mapchan, there are some individuals who have fasted for three days, uh, seven days, 15 days, 40 days, even up to 45 days. And they would refrain from eating food and refrain from eating uh, afternoon allowables as well, such as uh, sugar and juice. 
And some monks practice uh, not lying down for three months or a year or more. And some individuals do that. They do this with sincerity and firm intent. And this helps build up the strength of their hearts and minds. We may feel that even not sleeping just for a single night feels very troublesome and chaotic. But we, we try, we practice. We practice to train our minds. However, we practice whatever methods we're using. We practice the middle way that the Buddha taught. And this is in order to realize the fruits of practice. And to realize the fruits, we must have this firm intent and sincerity. It's just like producing the vaccine for the COVID-19, as we can see, has been done in the world uh, in the, this period of pandemic that we're in. And this vaccine production was done as a team. We can, for instance, look at the company known as Pfizer in Germany. And the individuals in that company would work uh, seven days a week. They would work without stopping. And they would really uh, pour themselves into that work, work very hard with uh, strictness and with sincerity, with firm intent, with desire to achieve their goal. And they used a new method to make a vaccine. They didn't make a vaccine in the normal way which is usually using a dead or weakened form of the virus, but instead they used a new method to make the vaccine. And they did this with diligence, really pouring themselves into this work with all their, their energy and strength. And they were able to succeed in making this vaccine, which is also uh, in part due to the harmony that they had working as a team together. So in our Dhamma practice, we must think in the same way. Normally we believe in our sense of self. We believe that things are me and mine, that there's an I and a you. But the Buddha taught to think in a new way, that actually it's not me, it's not mine, to let go of this view of the self and to seek out the truth of reality, which is that which is anatta, it's not a me, not a mine, not a self. And this is an eternal happiness, an eternal bliss, which is, and this eternal bliss is the mind that is not cycling through birth and death, not constantly being born and dying. And we see that the cause of the mind to be cycling through birth and death is this upadana, this clinging and attachment. So we can ask ourselves in Dhamma practice, what does it mean to work together as a team? So we can see that there's an inner team and an outer team. And this outer team is the Sangha. The Sangha is our team. And this team of the Sangha has harmony, has togetherness, works together. We go to morning chanting and we do that together. We go to evening chanting, we do that together. We have teamwork, we do our work together as well. And we do this with sincerity, with uh, strictness and with firm effort. And when we do this, we gain strength and energy from doing this together. We gain a strength of mind. So this is the outer team. 
And the inner team is the Snowball Eightfold Path of right view, right intention, right effort, right speech, right livelihood, right mindfulness, right concentration. And so we see right view give rise to that first. And with right intention, we seek, we have the intention of not to harm, of not having ill will, not having covetousness. And with right speech, we don't speak in ways that are divisive or harsh or harmful types of speech. And with right uh, action, we don't do unwholesome acts of body and we engage in right livelihood. In terms of right effort, we practice to avoid unarisen unwholesome states and to abandon unwholesome states that have already arisen. We practice to give rise to unarisen wholesome states and to cultivate further uh, wholesome states that are already present. So we have effort in this way. We see that making the vaccine, uh, these companies or these individuals had effort in order to succeed. And they had set for themselves this high goal of making a vaccine, making it quickly. And so they had to fight and work hard. And they strove and were firm in their efforts and they were able to succeed. So we should think in the same way that for ourselves we're fighting with the kilesas, with the defilements of heart. And these defilements of heart are that which destroy the happiness in our minds. Similarly to the virus, the COVID virus, which uh, destroys the human body. Because we see that we use these bodies to live in this world. And so when the virus and the virus comes and uh, tortures these bodies and can kill them, we see that every single day many individuals die from this COVID virus. And this virus really likes the lungs of the humans and uh, infects the lungs and can prevent oxygen from being absorbed. And therefore people die from a lack of oxygen, a lack of lung functionality. So we see that people fight with this virus, fight against it, just like we fight against the defilements of mind, fight against the kilesas. And we reflect that this fight against the kilesas, it's not beyond our capacity. It's not beyond the causes and conditions that lie within our hearts. So we must strive and have effort to succeed in this fight. We see that the scientists, the chemists, the workers uh, who made the vaccines, they strove together as a team and had good teamwork. And normally it would take perhaps up to five years to uh, produce a vaccine and successfully distribute it. But in this particular situation, the scientists were able to do it in a much shorter amount of time and they were able to succeed in a much uh, shorter time than normal. So we can see that similarly for ourselves, if we're very firm in our efforts, if we truly pour our hearts and our energy into the task of 
Dhamma practice. And similarly, we realize our goal in a shorter amount of time than usual. We'll realize our goal more quickly through this uh, sincerity, through this effort. And what is this effort? It's the effort to have mindfulness, to be firm in our mindfulness, which gives rise to firm samadhi, collectedness of mind, which then gives rise to wisdom. So we do this together as a team, and we have this highest goal, the goal of Nibbana. And at the very least, we try to understand Nibbana, understand that it's the, the highest goal. And it's something that we're able to achieve. It's something that we can do to realize this highest of goals. So therefore we have effort, we're determined in our practice. And we can reflect that practitioners have succeeded in this task of freeing their hearts and realizing Nibbana. Uh, there are Dhamma practitioners who have done this already, who have come before us, such as Lung Man, who realized the fruits of Dhamma practice and over a hundred enlightened uh, monks who came after him, who all realized the Dhamma, who all succeeded in their practice, including uh, Lumpu Cha. So similarly, we should strive and have firm effort to pour ourselves into this task of Dhamma practice, to have mindfulness in the postures of sitting, standing, walking, and lying down, to be firm in our observance of the precepts of virtue. And we are careful in this. We have restraint and care. And we contemplate our bodies uh, well, contemplate them thoroughly. And we're careful in our observance of the brahmacharya, the celibate life. We see that if we become sick, then our mind may become uh, weak and vulnerable. And this gives opportunity for the defilements, for the kilesas to arise. And good qualities and restraint uh, can decrease at this time. Similarly, the COVID virus and any other viruses take advantage of a weak immune system of a body in a weakened state, just like the kilesas take advantage of a weakened mind. And we can see that this is something truly unfortunate. When there's no immunity in the body, then the body is vulnerable. And so we should build up the immunity of our mind. And what is this immunity of the mind? It is mindfulness. So we should be careful, have restraint, be firm in our practice of samadhi, of collectedness. And to contemplate all the time into impermanence, uh, suffering and not self. Contemplate a lot. Contemplate continuously at all times. So develop this a lot. Do it a lot. In no long time, you'll be able to realize the highest goal. This is something that's not beyond your ability. Just like the great teachers have taught, if you just keep digging and keep digging without stopping, you'll have to meet with water eventually. And if you keep rubbing the sticks together and you don't stop, if you're firm in your effort, have continuous effort, 
then you'll get a fire from rubbing the sticks together. Just like making the vaccine, the scientists and companies had effort without ceasing, and they're able to succeed in getting a vaccine. So similarly to the scientists who had effort without ceasing, uh, we should have effort without ceasing to gain medicine for our hearts and minds. So do this a lot. If one thinks in an unwholesome or demeritorious way, then change this habit. Cultivate thoughts of a meritorious nature, of a wholesome nature. Thoughts of loving kindness, thoughts of helping others, thoughts of compassion. Because we see that in this time of the COVID pandemic, that everyone is suffering in various ways. So we should seek to help each other out. And we see that this harmony is a cause for happiness to arise. The harmony of the Sangha brings about happiness. So we do our monastic duties in the monastery, we do our, our work, and we're not tired of it. We do it with consistency, and we're not bored or tired with our meditation practice, but it's something we do continuously continuously contemplating impermanence, suffering, and not self, seeing that this body is not a me, not a mine, not a our, not a you, not a yours. In the end, we see that every being must die. We see that every being must die. And upon death, everyone throws all the things of this world away. All the things of this world get left behind upon death. One doesn't take anything with oneself upon death. However, the heart and mind continue on, continuing on to another birth, to another death. We can see that some individuals, having been born, uh, wish for death. They want to die. So we can ask, why, why would you want to die? Because death is guaranteed for you already. So something that would be much better than killing your body is to kill the kilesas in your heart, to bring about the death of the defilements in your heart. We can see that a mind that wishes for death is a mind that's not at peace, that's not collected. And so one should reflect that in this human life, one has been born, one has met with the Dhamma already, one's met with the teachings of the Buddha. So contemplate that which is uh, good and that which is bad. Know what is meritorious and what is demeritorious. That which is demeritorious, just discard it, just put it down. And that which is meritorious, then do that, uh, cultivate that. Uh, change one's life for the better. One can see that really there's nothing there. One dies and one is just born again. And then in that new lifetime, one has clinging and attachment just the same. One has old age, sickness and death just the same. And so this death of the body doesn't bring about anything novel because one meets with the same habits of clinging and attachment and the same pain of old age, sickness, uh, death, uh, separation from the loved and so on. And so we see that rebirth alone doesn't bring the mind to a higher level, doesn't uh, 
improve one's situation, doesn't improve the mind. The mind just chases after the sense impressions and moods all the same as before. So that which we must do is to train our minds, to train them to be better. Because we can see that we're individuals who have met with the Dhamma in our lives already. So we practice to bring about the Dhamma in our hearts, to seek the Dhamma in our own hearts, to give rise to the Dhamma in our own hearts. Because we can see that the mind receives these moods and sense impressions continuously, and the mind has been lost, getting lost in these sense impressions and deluded by them for a very long time already. And we reflect that the Buddha was enlightened to the truth of the way things are, is the Sama Sambuddha, the rightly self-awakened one. And we see that normally deluded beings think in terms of a self, think in terms of me and mine, you and yours. And we can say that this is thinking in the box, thinking within the box. And this is something that we've been doing since we were young, since we were children. And as children, we study uh, for ourselves and we, because we wish to gain a livelihood for our sense of self and get a family and comfort for the self and get wealth, material wealth for the self. And this is all sought out for the purpose of pleasure and happiness. This is all sought out because one desires happiness, one wishes for happiness. And one does get a type of pleasure and happiness, but it's not yet a true happiness because there's still worry, there's still attachment, and there's still the reality that all these things that one has gained are of the nature to decay, degrade, and pass away. So one sees that in this worldly way, there's simply no end to it. We may gain close family, close friends, uh, individuals that we feel close to, that we love. And we have love uh, with these uh, close family and friends. And we must be separated from these people that are close to us. And when we separate, then we experience pain and suffering. And we see that the mind that suffers, it suffers because of attachment and clinging, because of the sense of self. And the sense of self is a very large clinging, a very big attachment. So therefore we must fight without retreating, fight uh, without giving up to have this continuous effort. And we have to think outside the box. And what does it mean to think outside the box? It means to think that it's not me, not mine, not a self. And for samadhi to arise easily, we need firm mindfulness, continuous mindfulness. So we see that this continuous mindfulness gives rise to samadhi, which then gives the opportunity for true wisdom to arise. And we see that thinking inside the box, this is normal. We have family, we have friends, and they get old, they get sick, and they die. 
then our minds enter into states of suffering and sadness. We can say that this is the box of samsara, the box of the endless cycle of birth and death. So therefore we must think outside the box, think in terms of not self, which is how we realize no death, realize no birth, no suffering. And this is a reality of freedom, a reality of Nibbana that's beyond cause and above effect, uh, beyond all suffering. So we practice and we're firm in our efforts. We strive, pour ourselves into this practice. We eat a little, sleep little, talk little, have effort. And this is uh, something that's really not easy to do. It's something that's not easy to practice in this way. In order to practice in this way, one needs to have old parami and merit from the past, old spiritual virtues that one has accumulated in the past in order to do this. So may you practice ceaselessly in this way, practice without stopping. And this is an incredibly high form of merit because we see that really there is nothing to be found here. We're born and we die. We see that, for instance, someone who's 50 years old who has uh, a lot of responsibilities, a lot of uh, wealth and duties, they uh, die right there from COVID. Individuals that are 10 years old die from COVID as well. Uh, little children die. People of all ages die in this pandemic. And many individuals have a firm belief in God and think that God, they pray to God and want God to help them. But God can't help with this problem because it's the karma of beings. So God can't help with the karma of beings in this way. And we see that people have a lot of clinging and attachment to this God that they wish for, to help them. So we need to build merit and realize that God can't help with everything. We need to help ourselves as well, help ourselves by being careful and restrained. And we see that some individuals are not able to be calm and still. They're not able to stay still. They go out to restaurants and go out and gather in public places, and this leads to them getting the COVID virus. So may we all practice stillness, practice calm and stillness, and practice as well to bring our hearts to stillness. And we see that when our bodies are still, it helps our minds to be still and not chase after moods and sense impressions. And when we have this capacity for stillness, it helps us to be safe from the pandemic as well. So for the monastics in the monastery, we have a very good opportunity, a very good chance here. We stay in the monastery and don't have to go anywhere, but we do the practice of loving kindness meditation, wishing that may all beings be safe and well. So may you be intent in your practice. Uh, don't give up, don't retreat. Be firm and sincere in your efforts.
And then in this uh, very life, one can meet with one's goal. And one can succeed in one's goal, in one's heart. And one contemplates what's wholesome and unwholesome, what's right and wrong. And in the end, one is able to meet with the truth of reality. So practice in the beginning can be very difficult, can feel very arduous, uh, troublesome, and chaotic. It can even feel very difficult and chaotic every single day. Then when a day comes where one feels peaceful, collected in samadhi, the mind is very calm and at ease, and one feels that this is the heaven of Nibbana. And then another day comes and the mind doesn't have samadhi, and the six senses are constantly being impinged upon, and the mind feels very chaotic and very troubled, not, not happy at all, not at peace at all. And then another day comes and we get samadhi again. And we feel that we're in heaven again. And to realize a peace and happiness that doesn't degrade, it's something that's not easy. Uh, for myself, I experienced this and I've been ordained since I was 22 years old. So you must uh, fight. The great teachers say that Ordaining at a young age like this is good. You have to put up a good fight. If you're ordained at an older age, such as uh, 55, you can feel more relaxed and at ease. You feel that your life is almost over already, so you don't feel like you have to fight so much. And what we really fight with is this thinking in terms of self, in terms of me and mine. So we have to have patient endurance, uh, endure with this, and have full effort to really strive in our Dhamma practice. Just like the scientist, uh, scientists succeeding in producing the COVID vaccine. Similarly, we strive with firm effort. We really pour ourselves into the task of realizing this highest of goals. And in the end, we must succeed in the end, we have to succeed. So may you strive, may you have firm effort. May you all be firm and intent. May you all succeed in your Dhamma practice.